0: What's up, y'all? Welcome back into the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Demling here with y'all. As always, we're gonna preview the weekend ahead. Do have some cancellations, some postponed games, which is unfortunate, but do have another exciting weekend ahead of us. Which includes a Friday night game that we're not really going to talk about much, but we'll mention it. We also had a fairly exciting, a smaller midweek slate that we will get into as well, and you know we'll dive right into that here. Um, the biggest game of the midweek was obviously on Tuesday night when Denver took down. Well, as I said, leashed Georgetown um, in that Big East, uh, biggest Big East game of the regular season up to this point. 13-7 win for the Denver Pioneers over the Georgetown Hoyas. They hand the Hoyas their first loss since the first round of the 2019 NCAA tournament against Yale. Also ending the Hoyas 10 game winning streak. That dates back to the start of the 2020 season. Where they went 6-0 and before things were shut down. So for Denver. Um, this also keeps the trend alive. With um, They did it in 2018 and 2019. Uh, The last two full seasons, you had Denver win the regular season meeting and Georgetown win the uh, postseason meeting, uh, which both of those years was in the Big East title game. However, they will meet twice in the regular season, Uh, next one coming up in late April, uh, second to last week of the regular season, so that's definitely going to be one to circle, you know, folks who are already circling it anyway, might want to double-circle it uh, now, if you will, uh, will be a big one there, obviously. Um, And Denver, in this game, you know, it, it honestly... They were very... How do I say this? Like, there was nothing that they did that necessarily... Would have, you no, know, like, it, Ge- Georgetown just looked bad in some instances. Um, their shooting was pretty terrible. Um, they put nineteen of forty-six shots on cage. Had ten unforced turnovers, seventeen turnovers overall. And they went eleven for fifteen in the clearing game. 73%. Decent, but you'd like to see that 80 or above most most games. And they they held an edge in the ground ball battle. And James Riley went basically 50%. Um I, I think it was like 49%. Um he went, but it was basically neck and neck between Riley and and Staticus. Georgetown just looked bad. Their offense in some instances looked lost. Their defense. Obviously Gibson Smith is still out. Um Owen McIlvoy I thought played very well in cage uh there for the Hoyas. but overall, you know their offense was not as well um you no know, was not as good as it has been. Uh, thus far this season. I only 19 shots on cage of 46. I mean, so that's, what is that? let's do the math here. 19 divided by 46. I mean, you're putting less than 50, you're putting almost 39% shots on cage. I mean, it's 41% of your shots are on cage. That's not good, man. That is, that's not good at all. And this, and again, like I said, Denver, they didn't really do anything necessarily spectacular. Um, Jack Thompson with 12 saves, I thought played very well, um, anchored that defense the way he needed to. Uh, Jack Hanna with four goals um, for him. Ethan Walker had three goals to assist. Jackson Morrill. Um, you, you know, dishing out to assist there. Um, the offense just looked fluid. And the defense, like, did their job. And, you know, you saw Georgetown. There was a point in the game kind of in, in the third. Um, because Georgetown, all they really ever got was quick starts. Um, they started the game, obviously, with those two quick ones from Carraway. Um, and then cashed in, Denver had a field clear, and, uh, Declan McDermott, uh, well, Carraway cashed in on the field clear, and then McDermott a few minutes afterwards, um, off the TJ Haley uh, feed to get Georgetown up 2-0, um, and then after that, no Denver really settled in, and seven consecutive, hat trick for Jack Hanna, in the first quarter, um, going to be in the first half, and they go up eight to four at the half. Um, you had that Ethan Walker um, cross field pass to Alex Simmons. That goal was awesome. It was like right on the doorstep, but that pass from from Walker, and if you know what I'm talking about, um, the, the I don't think people appreciate that. as much as they appreciated the goal there. The wrist strength of Ethan Walker is unbelievable. And a lot of these guys is unbelievable. But Ethan Walker, it was... I wouldn't necessarily call it underhand, but it was not overhand. It was kind of low sidearm, if you will. Um, From about 15 yards, like he's up top. He's up top, almost near the top of the box, and he feeds it to... To Simmons, who is just, like, wide open on the crease there. Def- uh, Hoyer's defense kind of let him out there on his own island. Um, and he just puts it in. Um, and then Denver just continued to push, up, push the gas in the second half. Um, and like I said, Georgetown, they started the game well. They started the second half well. But in between, they did not do much at all. They started the fourth with two straight and it kind of looked like okay i think it was the end of the third uh McElroy kind of made a couple big saves and you thought okay they're getting some momentum this final quarter could be you no know, pretty good we could see georgetown maybe get back in this thing and and they just never did denver you no know, they put the put their foot on the gas and just continued to roll uh, so, really big win for Denver here. Um, I thought the, the biggest takeaway, obviously, was Denver can do it. Like, because remember at the beginning of the year, when you saw Denver lose to Carolina, you saw them lose to Duke. Uh, or the Duke game was first, and they got blown out by Carolina. And the first game of the season, they almost were upset by Utah. And so, I think for a lot of people... This game was was a sort of a measuring stick because we've seen Georgetown um, dominate teams week in and week out. You um, know, in, in the Big East, who's who've they played thus far? Um, see what because who've they played in the Big East? I can't exactly remember. I think they played was a uh, Providence killed them, and then. Um, who they play the week before? Uh, Providence was first. Pulling up the uh, old schedule here, so Georgetown they played. Okay, Villanova sixteen to one, Saint John's nineteen to one, um, twenty to thirteen. They play Providence this weekend. Um, so when you look at that, any and yes, Villanova is is probably the third best team in the in the Big East. And they're beating them sixteen to one in their first game of the season. And then doing it to St John's, who's again, like St. John's is even worse than Villanova. Uh and Villanova's not bad, uh, by any stretch, but though not that top tier in the Big East. And so neither of these teams have really been tested Big East wise. Denver's been tested, obviously, as we mentioned, Duke Carolina. Um, and then, you know, against Marquette. Um, Marquette was able to come back against Duke uh, against Denver, um, in that game. And, and you thought, okay, there's, is there something wrong here? Um, I don't remember if they were missing any guys from that game. Cause I know they were missing a couple guys early on in the season uh for some COVID stuff, but, um, and, and Denver was missing some guys last week, uh, on Tuesday as well, um, for some COVID stuff also. So, uh, not really any huge names, uh, but we're missing a couple guys. I think Malik Sparrow, uh, probably the biggest name missing there. He's made a couple starts on defense this year. uh, Started a couple games last year. Uh, It's been pretty decent. Um, But, you know, Denver, big, big win for them. They showed they can put it together. They can be steady. um, And when needed, put their foot on the gas and, and go, and, and the offense looked good. The defense looked decent. Um, this, I mean, they are the best team in the, in the Big East at the moment, uh, which is what we kind of expected coming into the season. Um, as far as Georgetown is concerned, you know, I'm not riding the Hoyas off right now. Um, let's see them with, get with, um, Gibson Smith against Denver. Let's see them with Gibson Smith against Denver. Um, he's been out since Villanova. Um, and so that's a big loss for them. Uh, obviously one of the best defensemen in the country. Um, you know, we've seen what McElvoy can do in cage. We know what that offense can do when they can get possession and make smart plays um and hold on to possession. Uh Carraway, Haley, Bundy Jr., Petkovich have been really, really good. Dylan Hess has started to step up the past couple games. Um they got Providence this weekend, can rebound. And then got uh essentially that, that schedule all over again with uh Nova, St. John's, Marquette, Denver, um, and then Providence there. Uh, to wrap out Big East play. They do end with uh, Loyola um, if that game takes place on that May 1st date. So um, I I, I really do think the Hoyas will still be uh, a likely NCAA tournament team based off what they've done. Uh, But I think if, if they lose to Denver again, and then they don't win the Big East, which is possible if you lose to Denver a third time. I don't think you get in if you can beat Denver second time. Even if you lose to them in the Big East title game, I think you they could still get in based off of how dominant they've been in other games this season. Moving on to the other two midweek games that we had. Uh, Notre Dame blasted Marquette on St. Patrick's Day. And how fitting uh, Pat, Patrick Cavanaugh, Pat Cavanaugh, goes off on St. Patty's Day. Um, he had himself one heck of a game here. Six assists, uh, one goal. Uh, five assists, one goal. In the win, uh, Will York, Kyle Gallagher, Charlie Leonard going combining to go 78% of the dot will york uh with two goals uh Patrick Cavanaugh um you know I I think I've said it on here before and I'll say it again is the best passer in college lacrosse the best passer in college lacrosse Patrick fucking Cavanaugh um the, uh, amazing performance from him And then even in cage, uh, Liam Intamin had himself a career record, 18 saves, 86% save percentage. Do want to give a shout-out Marquette. Sean Richard had himself a solid day, 14 saves, 57% save percentage. This game was kind of weird. It was 9-2 Irish at the half. The game ends ten to three. Each team only gets one goal in the second half, but it was pretty much blown out of proportion um, at at the half. Anyway, it was a blowout. So, um, hey, both defenses stepped up in the second half, but uh, overall, Notre Dame just looked dominant for you know full sixty minutes, as has been the case uh, with the exception of the Belkerman game, where uh, they kind of teetered a bit on a a possible upset until uh, I guess it was the final you know, 10 minutes of the game that really uh, stepped on the gas there. Fairfield beats crosstown rival Sacred Heart 14-8. to Dylan Beckwith um, further, further cementing himself as one of the best offensive threats in the CAA, putting up nine points in the victory, five goals, four assists. To lead the Stag's offense. Uh, three of those nine points came in the 1st 10:57 of the game. Uh, found the back of the net three times. Dished out an assist to help get Fairfield out to a 6-0 lead. Uh, at the faceoff dot, you had Frankie uh, Labetti going 70% for the Stag's. Uh, and, you know, Fairfield, this was a pretty dominant win for... I don't want to say dominant, but a pretty uh, a good win for them. I mentioned they got up 6-0. Um, Sacred Heart was able to push back and get it 8-6 to at the half. Uh, still down, but a three-goal run to start the third. Really pushed the Stags in front by five and uh, kind of put things to bed there. Sacred Heart did outscore the Pioneers in the second half, 6-2. to However, it was, I don't want to say the ship was already ridden, but that three-goal run essentially pushed Fairfield ahead, up by five, and they had uh, one or two later on in in the game that kind of uh, just reassured this thing is in the bag. Uh, Good one there for Fairfield. Uh, Certainly a team to watch out for there in the CAA with Beckwith uh, doing what he's doing there. Uh, Labetti has been pretty solid at the face-off dot all season long. Um, there for the Stags, second year under Andrew Baxter, uh, they've really seemed to address a lot of the issues they had last year, um, defensively and things of that nature. Consoli is playing good in cage. Uh, definitely a team to watch there in the CAA as Towson uh continues to kind of teeter, if you will, um. On the brink of n- not being a threat. Um, this year, uh, not being as much of a threat as we're used to, um, as was the case in 2020. Um, obviously, season gets cut short, but they were like 0-6, I believe. And then, obviously, 2018, uh, we saw them have that real bad year as well, where uh, you know a lot of dudes uh, were uh, suspended, kind of mid-season, kind of a train wreck a uh, bit of a season there, if you will. And Delaware, Hofstra, Fairfield, obviously UMass has only played one game, but they're looking like the best team so far, I would say. um, a Preseason had UMass as number one. I think that's going to gonna, gonna uh, live up to expectations there for how they played in their first game, but only one game in. Still some things to see with the Minutemen, but of teams that have played more than one game, Delaware, Hofstra, Fairfield are looking like the best three teams in the CAA. Towson, Drexel. Um, Drexel's played two games. Uh, Towson is two and four. Um, not looking the best at the moment. Um, all the Tigers and Fairfield uh, could be going in an upward trajectory this season. They've got a big one against Hofstra uh, next weekend. Uh, not this weekend, but next weekend uh, to wrap up the month of March, and they get at Delaware, at Towson. Uh, those are three big games in a row for the Stags um, if they want to assert themselves and kind of lock up a position there. And they do end the year with Hofstra as well, which could be a big big, uh, big game um, if they want to lock up uh, a top seed, um, a good seed in the CAA tournament. Remember, every team makes it this year, uh, not doing the top four. And everybody, so um, it, you know, it's gonna be interesting. Going to, uh, it, I said this coming in the season, it makes way for some interesting matchups, uh, interesting rematches, um, I should say, and makes way for some potential upsets that uh, otherwise would not have happened. And we know um, from watching the CAA over the past couple, oh, uh, from you know seeing the CAA every year that. Some wacky things can go on in that conference. Moving on to the weekend. And uh, one of the biggest storylines coming into week seven, seventh week of the season, is some teams looking to bounce back. Most notably, Penn State, after falling to Johns Hopkins over the weekend. And they they host Michigan. Uh, Michigan hosts Penn State, so Penn State traveling up to Ann Arbor. Uh, Michigan coming off that loss over Ohio State. And based off solely last weekend's performance, uh, Michigan looked better last weekend than Penn State did. I went back and watched... That Johns Hopkins Penn State game. I've watched it twice now. First of all, Hopkins looking really, really good. Really good. That program this season is going up. Remember, coming in the season, I wasn't exactly sure, as was a lot as were, was the case with, with a lot of people, where Hopkins would be. Didn't have a fall ball, have an entirely new coaching staff. Where are they gonna be in no relation to Michigan, to an Ohio State, a Rutgers, those kind of teams looking to assert themselves into that top tier where Michigan and Penn State have been the past couple of seasons. Where's Hopkins going to be among amongst that middle tier? Michigan's obviously the basement. Were they gonna be better than quote unquote the basement team? Uh, for so many years, Royce Hopkins is going to be the basement this year. A lot of people thought that. They were not the basement. They are not the basement. Uh, they're looking very, very good. Penn State, on the other hand, obviously has been a very good program um, over the past couple of years. I would argue is was a top 15 job in the country. And they are looking abysmal on both ends, um, offensively especially. Last weekend, I mean, what they had like a one shot in the third, and they're just making stupid mistakes defensively. Um, now, the one shot was partially because of those defensive mistakes. I mean, there was a was it a five minute uh, five minutes or whatever they were man up or something like that, um, and. That was the first goal of the third. Um, I can't remember who scored that for Hopkins, but if you look back, Bobby Bones, uh, SSDM for Penn State, loses his man, right? And, kind of like out on the high wing, loses his man. And, Penn State slides, the slides come in adjacent, and it comes super late. Like, Dude's already in shooting position, going to shoot the ball when the slide comes. So naturally, he hits him late. And I think, you know, what five-minute penalty there. Non-releasable. so that five minutes. I want to say Hopkins got like two or three in that man-up period alone. And Hopkins' man-up unit is really good, one of the best in the country this year. Penn State just cannot make those stupid mistakes. And based on what I saw from Michigan last weekend, I know Hopkins killed Michigan, right, Um, just a few weeks prior. Michigan's been killed almost every weekend besides last week. Well, even though they lost to their arch rival, um, they showed no quit. They put up a solid fight Um, in the second half. Josh Zawada was kind of shut off, if you will, by uh, Eric Wins in Ohio State. I don't know if Penn State's got a guy that can shut him off. You're going to put Nick deal out there to shut him off? Because there's nobody else that I see on that defense that can play a support role effectively. Outside... Of the goalie. And, I mean, come on. Come on. So, Penn State just not looking good. And, you know, I, I've been a big Penn State fan uh, the past couple seasons. They're a fun team to watch. They have been, I should say. Because this year's team, it, it, it's sad, man. It's sad to see. I don't want to say how far they've fallen, but... They've fallen hard this year, man. It, 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 it's sad. I mean, Colby Kenees is the only dude on defense that I, I would even argue is consistent. Uh, Gerard City, we've talked about this before, He's playing terrible. He is adjusted to the new rules. Probably worse than any other face-off guy in the country. You know, Top tier, you know, obviously. You have some guys that are always basement guys. This team just not looking very good at all. I mean, they have they show flashes. They had a good game against Ohio State. You thought it's going in the right direction, and they just reversed course. Just abort mission, abort mission. I, I don't know, man. I know they've got some injury issues. That's obviously part of it. Um. They, they get some of those guys back. They get some depth, but they, they at the moment, and I don't know who's going to be there this weekend against Michigan, but this is, a, this is an opportunity for Michigan to get a marquee victory in the Big Ten. They've only had one Big Ten victory in program history, and that was beating Ohio State in 2019, essentially the game that kept Ohio State out of the Big Ten tournament. If I don't, if I remember correctly, so Michigan coming off that win, excuse uh, me, that uh, loss against Ohio State. While it was a loss, they looked very good. Michael Boehm, Joshua Wada, Bryce Clay played very well, very well offensively. That defense, they've got to button some things up on that back end there. But it, if they can, you know, Nick Lawlette I think, has the edge. You know, coming in the season, I didn't think I would say that. Uh, against any team uh, outside of maybe uh, Maryland or Ohio State at the face dot, that they would have an edge over Penn State. And Michigan might have that there with, with Lawlette. Him and Anasia went 50%, I believe, last weekend. This is a big game for Michigan, and I honestly believe they could get this win. Now, could Penn State put it together again like they did against Ohio State? Certainly. Certainly. But Michigan showed last weekend they can take advantage of opportunities uh, when they're there. They can be a pest, and they can be a thorn in your side all game long. And they were that to Ohio State. Um, so while coming in the season, you know, week, what is this? One, two, three, four, week five of, uh, Big Ten action, Penn State, Michigan wasn't one to watch. This is one to watch, man. This is one to watch because this could revert the course for both of these teams, to be honest with y'all. Um, Michigan's got Ohio State in two weeks. They played them well last time. Michigan, uh, Penn State has Johns Hopkins in two weeks. Is it gonna be another blowout? Essentially, I don't know, man. I don't know. So, so this game sets up both teams nicely going into uh, to week six of the Big Ten, week eight. Of the college lacrosse season. Definitely a big one that we didn't think would be a big one for both programs. Looking at some of the other games this weekend. Uh, Georgetown is looking to bounce back against Providence. Obviously took that loss to George, uh, to Denver that we talked about. Um, you know, kind of went into depth uh, on earlier in the show. We also have Virginia playing Robert Morris, which is a pretty interesting one there. Virginia had that loss um, midweek last week against UNC, 16-13. Carolina looked dominant in that one. Um, UVA was kind of the opposite of the Syracuse game where um, UVA looked terrible to start and was able to get back in the game. Uh, whereas against Syracuse, they were in the game to begin with and got blown out in the second half. Um, reverse order there, uh during that one in Charlottesville. Uh believe it was Tuesday night um, two weeks ago, maybe Wednesday. But I um, know oh, you know what? Thursday game, Thursday game, Thursday night, ACC Network. Uh, don't have one this weekend, but we will get one. Uh, Weekend, uh, actually a week from now, recording here on a Thursday uh, evening. uh, Duke and Syracuse next Thursday. Uh, So Virginia and Georgetown, also two uh, big-name teams looking to get back into uh, the win column after taking losses. Um, I would expect both teams to do that uh, this weekend. Um, However, LMU did give Duke some fits, so... Um, and it has looked pretty decent this season, so, um, and did play UVA, uh, well in that NCAA tournament game in 2019, so who knows what the Colonials could bring to Charlottesville this weekend. Um, well, most conferences have kind of gotten underway, um, thus far, uh, the SOCON fully gets underway this weekend, um. On Friday night. So we did have Richmond and VMI play on Saturday to start Silicon play. Uh, but everybody else starts this weekend. So um, High Point VMI on Friday night. High Point, you know, one of the top offenses in the conference. Uh, both teams coming off losses the week prior. Obviously High Point got blown out by Duke. VMI got blown out by... Richmond last weekend uh, would expect a would expect a high-point win there. On Saturday, Bellarmine hosts Richmond, and then Jacksonville visits Mercer on Sunday. Both of those games are ESPN Plus games. For Bellarmine, coming off that 10-1 loss against Cleveland State, Richmond, 23-6 win over VMI. Uh, what expect of Richmond win there. Uh, Jacksonville and Mercer is an interesting one. Jacksonville coming off the heels of a blowout loss to Duke. Um, no, no shame in that. Uh, Duke was the number one team in the country at the time. I think they're number two now. Uh, Carolina took that top spot earlier in the week if you missed it. Um, Jack Dolan, Matt, Stagn- uh, Matt Stagnita, Evan Tyler uh, currently you no, know, leading that offense there, um, and for the Dolphins, uh, three and three record. Mercer is two and four, and coming off a bye week after getting blown out by Carolina. Ashton Wood, sixty-five percent at the dot, playing very well. Um, I do want to mention Sean Goldsmith could be back this game. He was announced out for, I think it was six weeks. At the beginning of the season, it's been six weeks. Um, he did not play last weekend um, against Carolina. Um, oh, was that last weekend or last midweek? Uh, but whatever, he did not play the last game for them. Uh, so possibly could be playing uh, this game. Possibly could not. I don't know. Um, I think it was a lower body injury, if I remember correctly. But um, so. He could be back. He could be back, Sean Goldsmith. Um, and if he is, that definitely changes things for Mercer. But uh, this is definitely one of the bigger games. The, the biggest game, in the SOCON this weekend, um, kind of a battle for that um, third p- or fourth place there um, in the standings. Obviously, Richmond, High Point, top two teams there. Jacksonville, Mosa kind of the next to fall in line um, there in the SoCon. Other games to watch this weekend, LIU, Sacred Heart. Uh, no, LIU. This is the third time these teams will play this year. Um, LIU is coming off the heels of their biggest win as a D1 program. Uh, beating the Hobart Statesmen last weekend, the Pioneers obviously coming off of that loss against Fairfield. I uh, cannot remember the team they lost to against Fairfield on Tuesday. Or excuse me, Wednesday. So they're working to rebound from that one. Uh, Sacred Heart won the first contest, twelve to ten. LIU took the second one, 13-10. Could be another uh, tight matchup between these two. Ohio State takes on Maryland um, in a pretty... I mean, I would I would say this is a prove-yourself prove, your, prove yourself game for Ohio State. Obviously, coming off the big win over Michigan, uh, Trey LaClaire had a dominant game in that one. Uh, Maryland coming off that big win over Rutgers, uh, where they further, further, uh, you know, cemented themselves as the best team, you know, head and shoulders above everybody in the conference. Um, how close can Ohio State keep this, and for how long? I don't know. Can they stop Jared Bernhardt? I don't know. Um, but definitely an interesting one there. In the Big Ten, one to watch. Monmouth and St. Bonaventure, uh, the top game in the MAC. Um, this was actually supposed to be Monmouth Mailist, but Mailist is continuing on their COVID pause. Um, Monmouth welcomes in St. Bonaventure now with uh, the schedule changes that they made earlier in the week. Uh, the Hawks are coming. In with a 2-0 record after a 7-6 double overtime win over Siena, St. Bonaventure is 1-1, coming off a loss to Detroit Mercy. Um, The last time these two programs met was the first and only time these programs have met, Uh, 2019. Monmouth goes 7-5 in that game. Could be another close one between these two teams, uh, both obviously striving to to uh, get better and to improve within the conference, UMass and Drexel. The Minutemen host the Drexel Dragons. Uh, their second game of the season. Uh, that one is Saturday at one p.m. Minutemen coming off a win over Fairfield to open the season. Drexel coming off a loss against Delaware in what was just their second game of the season. Uh, These two, you know, obviously that CAA tournament game in 2019 where Drexel upset the Minutemen. And Drexel has always played the Minutemen pretty close if you look back at the past couple contests between these two squads. Uh, Drexel has looked decent. uh, UMass obviously looked good in their opener, so it will be an interesting one to see how both teams... Come out and perform in that one. That is it for this episode of the Lacrosse Bucket podcast with Tanner Demwing. As always, you can uh, like, uh, you can subscribe to the podcast uh, Apple Podcast, Google, iHeart, uh, Spotify, bunch of other ones. Leave a five star review on the Apple Podcast, if you listen to that platform. Uh, the only one you can do the review on, I believe, um, social media, at lacrosse Bucket, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Tanner underscore Dimling, is my personal. LaCrosseBucket.com is the website. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the LaCrosse. We will be right back here on Sunday to recap it all.